0: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: Good evening, everybody. I'm not sure how it sounds where you're listening at this moment, but we're in stereo today. Wow, quadraphonic. It's like we're in uh, HD color stereo. I don't know what's going on. KJ, how are you? I'm doing great, Tommy. Yourself? I'm better now. Cool. I'm better now. I now understand the disclaimer that Tom gives to the folks that we get on the phone, The phone, right?
2: Ah, He was just playing with us. Tom, Tom just playing with us.
1: All right. It is uh, another edition of the Front Row. Thanks for tuning in. Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider will join us in a little bit but uh, before we talk uh, Florida State and there is we certainly are going to devote some attention to Jalen Ramsey and his performance this week at the Combine we're going to start by talking about good old Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines spring break down in beautiful Bradenton I'm sure they've been sending postcards back to their family and friends in the uh, still chilly north and in Ann Arbor but I view this uh, tactic by Jim Harbaugh as brilliant, truthfully. And And Jimbo has said as much. And B, a one-time event because it won't be happening next year by the time they get through. Enjoy it while
2: you can, folks. Uh, For our listeners that may not be aware, uh, what Michigan has basically done is uh, brought their entire football team down to IMG, uh, the campus down in Bradenton, and they are conducting the first four, as I understand it, of their 15 uh, practices there. Now, what I don't have clarification on and forgive me we just haven't done enough research but the first two or three have to be in shorts so they may have done two or three practices in michigan before they headed down to florida because every photograph i've seen from florida has them in full pads but that's that's a minor point uh, to the overall bigger picture which is harbaugh found a a way uh in the rule to bring his entire squad down to a school that uh, first of all, they're recruiting several of the kids that will be playing there in the fall of 2016. Uh, they signed six kids out of Florida uh, last month, February of 2016. They've got, uh, by some accounts, as many as 15 additional kids that are on their uh, watch lists and and recruiting lists for 2017 uh, and 18. And is what he doing? What he's doing illegal, uh, impractical? Um, Uh, Does it give them a competitive advantage? Those are the types of questions that are being raised by uh, Michigan uh, spending the money, the time, and the effort to bring the kids down. And then the last part, and then you jump in, is you're actually taking spring break away from the players, uh, whereas they would normally be at home or they'd be on a cruise or they'd be doing whatever you do during spring break. They're actually having to practice and giving up that free time, which gets back to the issue of the 20 hours per week and how much should we request of our uh, student-athletes uh, from a time standpoint,
1: et cetera, et cetera. Mr. Well, Block. And I think that's the, ultimately, that's the issue that needs to be discussed. What's been discussed is competitive advantage in the SEC in particular, leading the charge to say, hey, we can't be doing this uh, sort of thing. And I'm sure that by the time next year rolls around, there'll be a rule that, doesn't permit this having said that and what Jimbo said is he has no problem with it credit Jim Harbaugh he basically said give credit to Jim Harbaugh for finding a a hole in the rules or a loophole and and using it
2: but did you find it interesting he said okay they can do it But I, as head coach at Florida State, would never ask that of my kids. I would never do it.
1: Well, and that's part of the discussion overall. But, I mean, is it illegal or – illegal wouldn't be the right term, but not permissible, I guess, per NCAA. And the answer right now is no. So Harbaugh is doing something that he's allowed to do. Is it expensive? Yes, but Michigan has the money, so they chose to do it. Uh, Is it too much demand? Uh, Well, to your point, how come Jimbo can't do it? And, And to back out of that a little bit, Jimbo, I guess, was asked to speak at a clinic down there. And uh, the word came back from, I presume, Florida State compliance, or maybe it went to the ACC. No, the it was FSU NCAA.
2: compliance, as I understand it.
1: Yeah, th- their interpretation was, no, this is not something you could do. Because they invited Jimbo
2: and Saban and, I believe, two other coaches to come down and speak to a coach's clinic that was being conducted at the same time, or in con- not in conjunction, but at the same time
1: when Michigan would be down there practicing. So Jimbo asked the question, how come Jim Harbaugh can be there But I can't be in this role, which is a a valid question and which is why there will be another page in the NCAA rulebook next year when they get through figuring this out. I think the the bigger issue, and it's probably the least talked about in this forum or format from what I've seen from just glancing at websites and uh, papers. I do still look at a paper now and then. I read it. You you do? Every morning. Uh, it, it is in regard to the kids' time and their time commitment. I, and, and there's a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff going on right now at the NCAA level in terms of surveying student-athletes and asking them lots of questions about how much time is too much. Uh, they, and how much do you really spend? Let's forget about the 20 hours that gets
2: tracked and, and the components of that because, as you talked about, a three-game away series in baseball – counts as six hours even though you're gone for 72 hours or whatever that figure right, counts was three got.
1: counts three hours a game so yep. that would count nine hours but so the surveys are you know what is the actual elapsed time
2: that you're spending as a student athlete on your particular sport and i'd be very interested in that that those results as well because i think we're going to be very surprised
1: well and they're looking at this in terms of time demands and uh, we'll see if we can't get jim curry back on or maybe a student athlete at florida state or somebody that has perspective on this when you talk about the 20 hour rule it doesn't count study hall and community service which is a big push that a lot of uh, Florida State is very well represented in that arena in terms of what its teams do and, and most universities probably are it doesn't count time in the training room uh, it doesn't count. Requests to go do public appearances and those sorts of things, or give an interview for a show like this, right? So there's all the, and there's only 24 hours in the day, no matter how you slice it. So they're 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 backing up, and and probably this comes out of the talk about well, we're not paying them and treating them as employees, even though we are treating them as employees and not paying them. Uh, so there's uh, you know the students, athletes have more of a voice now, and and the NCAA is starting to. Uh, you know, I don't know that I can say listen to it, but they're at least going to survey them and ask for their input and we'll see what they're, they do with it from there.
2: Putting the data together. Now, in terms of, of disclosure, uh, for those of you who have been listening to us for a while, uh, you need to understand that, that my position is, as it relates to the spring game, that that's where I would like to see teams travel and scrimmage against each other. Not not Michigan go down to IMG's campus and practice for four days, but I'd have no problem with Michigan and Florida State entering into a home-and-home, home, if you will, for the spring game and Michigan play in Doak Campbell Stadium in 2016, and then Florida State returned the favor by traveling to Ann Arbor and playing in the spring game in 2017. And secondly, uh, within the ACC, Uh, moving practice, spring practice has been done. University of North Carolina, uh, I believe two years ago, and Fedora's either first or second year, moved a couple of their practices from uh, Chapel Hill to Charlotte and actually worked out in Charlotte. And then thirdly, I just read this this morning, related but not related, if that makes any sense. Ole Miss, who Florida State will play to open up the season uh, coming up, uh, they're taking 28 of their kids' in an organized fashion over their spring break to Haiti to do work uh, relative to water systems and getting water to um, places that need irrigation and that type of thing. They're not practicing, but it's an organized team-building event. So so you've got a whole – in my mind a few different parts of the building blocks that are coming
1: together that yeah so a handful of things about. here the Ole Miss thing that's a little different in that it's not the full team so it's not one of correct. those and it's voluntary voluntary but it's not correct. voluntary that one truly is voluntary so let's leave you that are correct the uh, we've talked about the spring game scrimmages which would be a lot like the high school jamborees that are played I think that idea has merit and perhaps could come to fruition mainly because it could become a revenue generator for schools now I don't see intersectional matchups like FSU Michigan because fans aren't going to travel I'm that a, distance. I'm only picking
2: them because you wouldn't want to play someone that you were probably going to play. Right, during right. The- well,
1: if you look where FSU sits, I think Auburn would be the natural. It's right. three hours away, and and Auburn fans would no, come to Doak or Georgia. We Georgia, we
2: want Georgia. Pick an
1: SEC school other than Florida, and and I think that would have some some merit to it uh, because because there's revenue attached. Uh, it's going to be interesting as it relates to the student athletes' time, though. I. I I am curious to see where they land on this. Uh, and again, there's there's people see it both ways. You and I have a firsthand look because we've we've traveled with teams to see and experience what it's like when you play a midweek game and your charter lands at two thirty in the morning and you're supposed to be in your eight o'clock class. Well,
2: not only that, you flew out the night before, so from ten right. to noon that next morning, you're in study hall with tutors that actually traveled with you to have that study hall then you eat lunch then you do shoot around then you have pregame meal then you play the game talking specifically about basketball so yeah the the time spent I'm with you I'm very curious to see what that comes back at
1: going back to spring practice since playing another school in your spring game would require NCAA legislation and I haven't heard anybody talk about it really other than us maybe a couple of other people have thrown that idea out there uh, I don't know that that's imminent but yes north carolina has taken their spring on the road virginia did it one year uh, jimbo has said that he wouldn't do spring break down at michigan i, I could see a scenario where schools start saying conveniently we're going to go practice at this high school in jacksonville where conveniently there's five top players and we'll just go over and back and have a practice and then we'll do it in panama city and uh you know i, I think that could be out there i also think that in florida state's case and i, I haven't heard discussions like this but I could see a scenario where they – and they'll see how the spring game goes this year in Orlando. I could see a scenario where they start taking the spring game on the road on an every-other-year basis maybe. So keep the interest here by having it every two years in Tallahassee but take it on the road to their fan base.
2: And I would also tell you, at least from a former player's perspective of 30-plus years ago, I love that because spring is horrible.
1: So it breaks up the monotony. Exactly. Because
2: you don't have a game you're preparing for – you know, there's a tendency to just want to try to get through it, which you can't because you've got to go out there and work hard and get better. And just the change of scenery, even the particularly the
1: change of hitting somebody else other than your buddy, I think the players would love it. That's why there's always a list of 36 people that aren't participating in spring. Yeah, they got scoped and they're recovering, but they also don't want to fight that mental grind so conveniently they're out. All right, let's get back to Jalen Ramsey uh, and and his display at the Combine. We'll do that uh, in our next segment when our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Lunefeld joins us. So stay with us. Jalen Ramsey, uh, potentially the top overall pick. I don't think he'll get there, but we'll we'll discuss that when we continue on the front row.
0: Listening to The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: Welcome back to The Front Row. Tom and Keith with you. We are joined now by our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeldt. Tim, how goes it? That well, huh? Hello, Tim. Hi, what's going on? There there you are. I was worried there for a minute. I thought we lost you after I I, yeah, I
3: didn't hear I I thought I lost you. I was kinda went dark for a second, but we're back.
1: Fortunately, we're reunited. Hey, uh, we have not talked, uh, Keith and I, yet about the tremendous display that uh, Jalen Ramsey had uh, up in Indianapolis. And uh, we want to get your take and, and get you involved in this conversation too. But first, uh, front row fans will recall that we had Jalen on the show right after the bowl game, around the time he made the announcement that he was going to go ahead and turn pro. Uh, and we asked him a question about his his versatility because he played multiple positions here. And uh, let's take a refresher back to his response at the time.
4: Um, definitely. I, I feel like being Playing every position in the uh, defensive backfield um, is going to definitely help me in the, in the draft. I hope teams will realize that and they'll uh, watch my tape and they'll realize that I'm the most versatile defensive back uh, and I feel like the best defensive back in this year's draft. Um, Florida State has done nothing but help me since I've, I've been here my freshman year, starting at corner. Um, then it was in the team's best interest to move me to safety for the remainder of the championship year. Um, then. My sophomore year, playing the nickel role, having a lot of impact, being closer to the box, um, being able to affect plays and make plays there, and then this year, being able to go back, you know, to my natural position and play corner and help out the team um, in that area and shut down the side of the field, was definitely strong. I feel like my best um, position um, is corner. I feel like I'm a I'm a natural corner. I'm a prototypical corner that they look for in the NFL nowadays. Uh, you know, with the size and the speed. Um, being able to guard bigger receivers like Calvin Johnson, um, but also still being able to guard um, smaller and faster receivers like maybe Odell Beckham um, or Jarvis Landry. Um, so, I mean, I'll just let the NFL teams do their scouting, do their reports, uh, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, we'll, I'll figure out where I'm going when the draft hit.
1: Well, and certainly they're doing their scouting. That was Jalen Ramsey uh, about two months ago when he joined us on the front row. Tim, what do you think? First of all, is is cornerback his best position in your opinion?
3: I'm not sure, honestly. Uh, you know, I still can't get away from just how effective he was as a freshman when he played safety. I still like him there uh, the best. I think he's really good as a cornerback and be really good as a nickelback. But, and, and this is maybe my own hunch, but but I, I really like Jalen as a safety, and I wouldn't be surprised, especially with his side, uh, if he ended up playing there at some point in the NFL.
1: Do you see his versatility as a downside at all? And I ask that because when you start reading the draft projections – some of the experts will say, "Well, the only question is, is he a corner or is he is is he a safety?" I see it as a as a plus, a pro, not a con. But I'm curious your opinion.
3: I definitely don't see it as a con once he gets in to the league and gets on to whatever team he's going to get. I think any defensive coordinator uh, is probably going to be really happy to have that. But I do think that it, it, it it's going to come up, and like you said, some analysts have, have discussed it, and we heard about it during the combine when we were watching. Uh, you you wonder what position he's going to play, and and I you know my only thought is if you're talking about taking a guy, you know top five, top ten, or even some folks have suggested maybe number one overall. I, I want him to have a clear cut position, <laughs> and, and you know it's a very very rare it would be the safety who goes number one overall, obviously, or even the cornerback. Um, but, but that said, uh, I think he's a perfect natural fit for that sort of. A hybrid position that that is uh, is really popular in the NFL these days. Getting the the size and speed combination that really we just haven't seen very many players have um, you know, but before this this current generation. So I, I do think that you know, it might take a creative uh, and and forward thinking defensive coordinator to get the most out of him. But but certainly any defensive coordinator worth his salt is going to be able to take advantage uh, of Jalen's physical tools and his football sense, regardless of where he lines up.
2: Tim, I found myself, and and I was telling Tommy earlier and during the break, I'm jaded a little bit. I I was almost disappointed in Jalen's forty time. I you know I guess I expected him to run a three point five or something. Did you hear any feedback or pushback on on the four four one?
3: No, I didn't at all. I think most people maybe they weren't blown away by it, but everybody said, well, you know, that's, that's certainly fast enough. Uh, again, I mean, for uh, he's he's a deceptively big guy. I don't think people think of him as being really large, but he. He definitely is. So to, to to get into the four fours uh, with his frame, I, I don't think there's anything that he needs to worry about. And, and that and everybody was was you know, falling all over themselves with the broad jump and the and the vertical exactly, jump. Exactly, exactly. That uh, that I think the forty kind of uh, you know they are so happy with that, that that they would say, well, okay, and, and the 40's fine too. But you know what? It's funny. I was talking to uh, to the great Bob Thomas, who I think both of you are familiar with, who uh, who now. Uh, Is the sports information director for the track team over here at, at Florida State, and, uh, and and so he's been familiar with, with Jalen's track athlete. And you know, he said as good as the broad jump was, uh, he said to me, he's "Like, well, well, man, he he could do better than that. He's done better than that." So it's funny to see everybody talking about what well, just a, an all-world type of, uh, of mark he set in the broad jump, and, and and people around the track program like, well, it's it, it's great. Don't get us wrong, but. But we know that he can do better, so it's a, it's funny just to think in those terms.
2: Well, and, and to follow that up, someone else must have thought that too, because I think I read somewhere where uh, Ramsey's time was the fastest time by anyone over six foot one that had played quarterback or something like that. Um, so probably just jaded like I am. Um, it, it's interesting as we watch the mock drafts and how people change positions. Uh, it's never happened before that I know of where a school has had back to back number one overall picks uh, USC maybe one did other it time the 60s, Tommy, i think know? it was
3: 68 and 69 okay good yeah,
2: tim just hit it yeah but but that's being talked about i, I don't think it's going to happen but it's not beyond the realm of possibility
3: uh, i i think that's exactly how i feel about it i don't think it's going to happen uh, i think if you look that part of it is just that the tennessee titans have the number one overall pick uh, having drafted marcus Mariota uh, last season uh, the, the left tackle Laramie Tunsil is there. Uh, he's a, considered a top prospect, and if you're going to invest a number two overall pick in a quarterback, it only stands to reason that you might invest a number one overall pick in a left tackle. So I think he's probably the odds-on favorite. But the fact that you can say that Jalen is a potential number one pick and, and not have people look at you like from like you're from Mars, I think speaks a lot to him. Uh, because especially, you know, d- I mean, defensive backs I mean, they go in the first round all the time, but to to get to climb up into that top five conversation, it takes a really special player, especially one who could end up being a safety, uh, it takes a really special player and and, and he certainly is that. And it would be cool uh, if it did work out, you know, Jalen is from Nashville or from the Nashville area, Brentwood uh, and to be drafted number one overall by your hometown team would be a pretty special thing too
1: yeah i think that'll be interesting because they'll obviously know him very well and there'll be more written about him because he is a hometown kid there we've only got a couple minutes with you so keith and i will uh chew on the jalen conversation in our next segment but uh tim i've asked you this about uh, 112 times this year and we've only done the show you know like you know, 18 weeks or something but uh maybe it's more than that now i can't do my math on the fly but during basketball season. Uh, so Florida State is is obviously going to finish below 500 in conference. So if and when they do to Syracuse what they did to Notre Dame last week, how many games are they going to have to win at the tournament? Three more to get above 500 overall, make the championship game. I mean, where do they have to go? win the win the tournament? What what's I, yeah? I think
5: okay.
3: So we, <laughs> I've been thinking about this a Let's lot. Let's live guys. in
1: fantasy land here. Let's go.
3: Part of it depends, I think, on on when they start. Uh, if they're in the Tuesday game, I don't think that's going to help them at all.
1: They're in the Tuesday uh,
2: game. Write that down. Well,
3: they are, but I think they can get. They, I think they can get out of it. They have to beat Sears. Well,
2: mathematically, I, have I can to lose forty five pounds before I leave for the tournament, too.
3: Well, fine, fine, but it's but it's still it's still in the realm of possibility. So anyway, let's say you. I think I think they have to get to Friday. I think they have to win and get to the semifinals uh, for them to, to be. And I think if they were to. Get to the quarterfinals, get to Thursday, they would at least have reason to pay attention uh, on, on selection Sunday. But I think that, let's say, you know, you play Tuesday, Wednesday, by the time you get to Thursday, you're probably going to have to play a, a Duke or a Miami or Carolina or somebody uh, with a top pedigree. So you're going to have to win one of those games and get to the semifinals on Friday. Uh, I think if you get there, you can, you might, be, it's, it's so hard to predict, but I think if you can get to the semifinals, you have a pretty good chance. Uh, because you'll have another another win over a especially top ten top fifteen uh, opponent, but short of that, uh, I think that it, 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 it's it's going to be awfully difficult, and it, it is a shame because I think you know most fans would look and say, uh, and most bracketologists would probably say, if if you can beat Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech, follow that up with what you did to Notre Dame, uh, even even with a loss at Duke, you're probably in not so bad shape. Uh, but as a fan, uh, they still have a, a pretty tall order uh, ahead. And. And obviously, you're, you know, you're feeling better about things heading into that Syracuse game after what happened against Notre Dame. Uh, but the fact is, uh, Syracuse's 2-3 zone has always uh, given Florida State's offense trouble. Uh, it's a good thing they have an extra a whole week off to work on it. Uh, but that game on Saturday is going to be a real challenge.
1: I'll get you out on a much easier question. Are the women guaranteed to host first and second round now, regardless of what they do in their tournament?
3: I think they are, but I, I don't know that, that they're in agreement. I think they, they still feel like they have to go up and win a game, maybe even two games, to really feel good about themselves uh, in that respect. But I also think that I, I think they're in a position to kind of win a tiebreaker over other potential sites, you know what I mean, uh, in terms of uh, atmosphere, experience during the tournament. Uh, you know, uh, the, the point to the first two that were held here last year and, and the crowds that were at those games and, and just the, the, the total package, uh, when you compare that to a school that, that maybe doesn't have that or hasn't, shown that. I think Florida State will get the tiebreaker. So I think they're they're in fine shape, but if, especially if they were to win uh, their first game on Friday. I think it would be a stone-cold block.
1: Makes sense. Winning two is a tall order because game two would be against Notre Dame. So uh, take take one and go from there. Tim, appreciate it as always. You got it, Tom. Thank you. Alright, that's our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Uh Good insight there, uh, as always, uh, on the basketball side and also about Jalen Ramsey. Keith? Uh, of course,
2: the basketball is predicated, lest we not make sure we say it you got to beat syracuse
1: yes you lose to syracuse. Yeah, that whole discussion was Nothing, predicated on a, on a win over syracuse and then how much you uh do there uh all right we'll come back we can talk a little bit more about basketball and uh because certainly it looked like a different team against i don't know notre- where they, i don't know where they came from you know leonard listen to leonard when he was talking to you he he pointed out rightly so that notre dame happens to be a good matchup for florida state uh, in terms of what fsu trots out there size wise and and certainly that Was probably part of the reason FSU looked as good as they did. All right, we'll come back and uh, continue right after this on the front row.
0: Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Shout out to Madison Social. As always, try the brunch this weekend. Actually, this is the perfect time of year to get out and try the brunch at Madison Doors Social outside. Open. Yes, it's the best weather in uh, in God's country, as our next guest uh, likes to refer to this area. But uh, head on over to Madison Social. Tell Matt that uh, Keith and I said to head their way and uh, enjoy all the cuisine, beverages, whatever it is, sites, whatever it is uh, you're into, maybe all the above at Madison Social. Uh, Rick Ballew uh, is going to join us. Now, This is we're taking a complete left turn because uh, i had called rick earlier today he happened to call back during the break and so uh being the consummate professional that he is he was willing to join us on very short notice rick how are you man stop
5: you call stop whatever i'm doing man and pick up the phone i had Gil brandt on line one adam shefter on line two but i said ah uh-uh. i gotta give my boy tom block <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you used Don't to give him the big head, Rick. We got to deal with him
2: enough <laughs> as it is.
1: You used to take yeah. care of me back in the day at Docs. That was how this uh relationship uh, originated and uh long-time Tallahasseeans will be familiar with Docs. Older uh, uh,
5: Tallahasseeans. My, my life developed uh, out of that place, uh, everything. Yeah, and my life started right there at Docs, great place and uh I miss it and when I get back to Tallahassee, I honestly I'm surprised how much the city has changed. It's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it's there's a lot of great things going on. I mean, Madison Social being one of them, but uh, College Town and the whole build out. I mean, you know, when you come back, it, it really is changing for the better in a lot of ways right around here. Well, Rick, I, pr- I appreciate you coming on. First of all, uh, you know, I joined you and, and Frank uh, in the fall to talk Florida State football over in Jacksonville. And uh, for the sake of that, I'm never quite sure what the full and proper name of your show and title is. So I'll give you the floor here to make up whatever you want in terms of what you do over in Jacksonville.
5: No, it's, uh, it's Frangie and Baloo, and uh, we're on every day, 3 to 7, yeah, you know, on 1010 on the AM and 92.5 on the FM. And uh, it's interesting now because the last two years, uh, our radio partner, Frangie, is the voice of the Jaguars with, uh, with Tony Bacelli and Jeff Lagerman, and I, I do the sideline, um, which is uh, very cool. I, I actually, uh, I guess I didn't forget, but, you know, back in the good old days, I used to sneak on the sideline Uh, There for Florida State games, uh, particularly on the road at Miami and in Swamp. But you get down there uh, eye level just to see how fast this game is and how strong these players are. It's a totally different look, Uh, and it's one that I love each and every Sunday.
1: Yeah, it's a feel more than a look, even because it's not a great look at it. But you you can definitely that's what I always tell people is you realize uh, how big they are, how fast they run, how hard they hit, and you can truly feel the intensity of the game. Uh, Very cool. I love it. Yeah, it's very cool that you're doing that for Jacksonville, and uh, and that was actually the the genesis of my call was related uh, to Jaguars and also the the combine because I know you were just at the combine. Keith and I have had a discussion about Jalen Ramsey, uh, in my sense, and and in full disclosure, I do not follow the NFL uh, to the extent that you do, Rick. Obviously, as a regular daily sports talk guy, but. Uh, my assumption is that the Jags, if, if Jalen was there, wouldn't pass on him. But uh, I'll let you kind of talk about where you think the Jaguars are going, and then we'll see if that develops into more Jalen talk.
5: You know, the only thing with Jalen is that his workout was so good. Um, the question now is, will he be there at five? I mean, could Tennessee possibly take him at one? We're all along. The belief is that they'll take Lake City's council. Uh, if not, maybe try to trade out of there. I think every team who has number one says they will. Uh, listen to offers just to see if another team will blow them away. You know, two quarterbacks probably going to go uh, Wentz and um, Goff. So that's three offensive players out of the top five. Uh, Really, it's Ramsey and it's Boza. And, you know, San Diego with three definitely needs a defensive player. Uh, Joey Boza did not work out particularly well. He ran a 4.86 coming in at 269 pounds. They expected him to be a lot faster off the ball. He's an unbelievable football player. And, of course, he'll have his pro day in Columbus. Uh, And he's also got somewhat of a sketchy uh, past, if you will. He's not a bad kid. He just does some things, says some things. Bottom line, I think most general managers believe that a pass rush defensive end is more important than a great cover cornerback. And over here in Jacksonville, yes, they need a corner. But more importantly, they really need a free safety. There's a lot of talk that Ramsey could play both roles. We know that the cornerback position is the money one. I think if Jacksonville selected him, they'd put him at corner, move Aaron Colvin inside to the slot, and uh, that would be his position. But I think right now it's between two guys. And if Jacksonville, if one of the two is gone, they take the other. Let's say it's Boza who goes three. If Ramsey is there at five for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I would be completely shocked if they do not select him.
2: And, Rick, that's kind of interesting because for years, for those of us that have been in Tallahassee, uh, there's an FSU to Tampa Bay connection with Derek Brooks and, and uh, Dexter Jackson and Brad Johnson and Warwick Dunn. Uh, but with Rashad and, 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 and Smith and some kids over in Jacksonville, if that were to happen, that, that Tallahassee to Jacksonville connection uh, gets a lot more prominent in some of our Florida State fans' eyes
5: yeah, no doubt about it. Oh, by the way, I did see Warwick down at the combine. He was walking out as i uh, was walking in. it was it was real good to see him, but uh, yeah, two young Knowles who are really playing well. now, Green missed seven games with the injury, uh, but he was uh, uh, he really did some outstanding things. is uh, a punt returner. Of course, he's got the better game speed than he did the forty uh, measured time speed there a year ago at the combine and and they really like him to be a solid number three wide receiver when it's all said and done. As a matter of fact, General Manager David Caldwell has told uh, everyone around the organization, he actually believes Green can be the best of the bunch. And Allen Robinson exploded this year. Allen Hearns has been very solid in his first two years as an undrafted free agent out of Miami. Telvin Smith right now, without any question, is the leader of the defense. I mean, Paul Puzlesny, uh, has always been the leader, and I, I guess I shouldn't overlook him. But Kelvin Smith is a playmaker. I mean, the question with him was always, can you add weight? You know, can he get to 225? Can he get to 230? No, he can't. He's 218, soaking wet, but east to west, his speed is unbelievable. He's great in coverage. He led the team in tackles. um, And he's a guy now that they're building this football team around. You got to remember something, guys. This offense in year two uh, with Blake Bortles improved by seven points. Think about that for a moment. That's an average of seven points over. 16 games, they're good enough right now to win every Sunday on offense. The question now is can they turn things around with between eighty to $90 million in, in salary cap space, the fifth pick in the draft, plus seven other picks, and really begin to build that defense. If they can, even though they've had a rough couple of years here, I'm telling you, they're close. And don't be surprised if the Jaguars in 2016 are knocking on the door as a possible wild card team in the ASA.
1: Talking with Rick Ballew, who is, uh, uh, well, fame and fortune at this point over in Jacksonville, Rick, since those days at Docs that we were talking about. But, uh, you know, quick story about Telvin Smith, two, two-parter real quick. Uh, number one, when the defense was not as good in 2014 for FSU as 2013, you know, everybody had about 112 theories as to why. You know, from Jeremy Pruitt to, to to whatever, to guys being complacent because they'd already made their money. I, I think the biggest answer to it is Telvin Smith wasn't on that defense anymore. I mean, he was pretty dog on good. The second thing, Charles Kelly, the defensive coordinator for FSU, Rick, he he told me once. He said uh, he's never had a guy like Telvin Smith because Telvin is the same speed on play ninety as he is on play one. There, I mean, he just has a motor that doesn't stop, and and uh, you know, no matter how finely tuned most guys are. At some point, they wear down a little. It never happened with Telvin.
5: Yeah, you know, I noticed that in the the first rookie minicamp. They drafted eight, and then they went out and they signed about another 12 off the street. And then they brought in about another 25 or so just kids, you know, hoping for a a puncher's chance. So they had about 50 kids out there during the rookie minicamp, and you could spot it during the first workout. He was the leader of the group. Um, all those great Knowles who have been drafted, and I know you guys are aware of this, uh, LaMarcus Joyner, Telvin Smith, not only were they great football players, but they were great team leaders, and he was able to do that as a rookie. He was able to do that last year uh, during his second year. He's headed towards a Pro Bowl career. I mean, if he can stay healthy and continue to play football the way that he has, Kelvin Smith's got a real opportunity here to be a superstar in
1: cash Rick Ballew from Jacksonville. Good stuff there, Rick. It's been fun to – I can't claim that I watch a lot of the Jaguars, I mean, in full disclosure here. But I I do know that, uh, you know, you check a box score and Telvin's got 12, 14 tackles, and he is indeed headed to a Pro Bowl career. No question. No question. We didn't uh, – you know, Rick came on on short notice, so there are other things we could have talked to him about. Well, I'm on at another time. Uh, I did have a little bit of conversation with him, uh, you know, about the combine experience because he's been up there. And, uh, you know, he shared that – Basically, if you're media at the combine, you're viewing it the same way as a consumer is at home. I've heard you're not even in the building. Yeah, you're not. You're not in the building, but but the advantage you get, and this is true of any event you go to, is that you run into people in the hotel, in the lounge, in the lobby, wherever, and you can pick their brain and and get a feel for how these things will happen. So I, you know, that's interesting perspective from Rick on how the top five is going to play out and where the Jags are going to go.
2: Also, a a lot of uh, talk about changing some of the aspects of the combine. Uh, in terms of do they want to continue to run the 40? Is there something more appropriate to do and, and, and how they format it? So I think there may be some tweaking in that whole process uh, to go along with it.
1: I've got a an idea out of left field that I read from earlier this week about an underclassman combine, and we'll delve into that topic when we come back on the front
0: row. front row with tom block and keith jones got a question email them at the front row at 97 9 espn radio.com. here's tom and keith
1: Back on the front row, thanks to Tim Linnefelt. Thanks to Rick Blue, who joined us uh, really on short notice there and gave us some good perspective about how the Noles are doing. And talked to Rick in ten years, probably. I know you talk to him uh, regularly when you do uh,
2: he and Frank's show. But uh, I, I, when I was first out of college, and, and you know, in Tallahassee, you know, Ballew's show was the show that you listened to. That was that was the Tallahassee flavor of uh, local sports talk that was in the
1: 90s that wasn't when you were first out of college all right when i was 10 years out of college or 12 years okay out of i mean i know everything is like was it yesterday or was it 30 years ago remind <laughs> me why i
2: like you, I, you help do, me you, remember you don't this comes help up every remember.
1: week on the show you really don't you tell me to shut up about twice a show which means <laughs> there's still two coming in the next 15 minutes or so. Ah, shut up all right so i mentioned before the break uh this this idea of an underclass combine I read this earlier this week. I think it was Andy Staples who wrote it. But the basic premise, it it stems back from the comments Nick Saban had made, not this past year, but the year prior, about how some of his guys were a little too going into the bowl when Alabama didn't fare well. Uh, They're a little too focused on their NFL – projection cuz that
2: was the time frame right. which they were waiting right. to hear so back the, or had
1: heard back. So the start of the conversation uh in in this article is why do they have to declare, declare by why why are they getting their draft grades if they're still playing? In other words, if your team season is done, give them their draft grade. If you still got a game Uh, what's it going to hurt if they have until January 31st to declare instead of January 15th or whatever the date is. So that's the start of it. But the second part of it is when you factor in all these underclassmen that go and half of them don't get picked every year, they don't have an option to go back to school like you do in college basketball. So, for example, this year I would imagine what's going to happen, I would think they would do it just for the experience. Malik Beasley and Dwayne Bacon, if they have the opportunity, are going to go test the NBA waters. And if the reports they get back are not good – they'll come back to Florida state. If they go out and test and they say, "Yeah, you'd be the second pick in the draft." Well, yeah, they're going to go. Do you agree with that? Well, what I I hear- mean, maybe maybe they won't test it, but if they have that opportunity, that 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 opportunity does exist. Well, what I
2: hear you saying is is the NFL needs a junior day.
1: Well, that's the pre- the premise of this article is have an underclassman combine. And the reason you separate it out is because if you look at the regular combine, you have guys like Jalen Ramsey uh, or any guy who they've spent a ton of money their agents are funding it to go train specifically to do the combine drills. In Jalen's case, he trained with his dad in Nashville. I guess that's his business or whatever. But so if you're talking about underclassmen, uh, they can't get the money from the agents. They don't have 20 grand to go hire somebody and train. So you take an underclassman combine where nobody in theory has done any paid for training. And
2: everybody's still an amateur. Everybody's still
1: an amateur. Nobody has spent the last six months working on getting out of the the gates in the 40s. So you have equal territory. Uh, you're on equal footing so to speak so number one if you weren't invited to the underclass combine that should be a sign that you're probably not going to get drafted and should stay in school that's word number one word number two you go and you get all the benefits of these nba guys or or college basketball guys who are testing the waters uh, and are going through it and scouts can then give a grade and i think the third part of this is that i think right now you get first round second round or other than that. Other than that. This would allow teams to anonymously assign a better, more accurate grade to a kid who could then uh, make a more informed decision. That's the premise of it. I read the article once. I'm sure I'm missing some things in here. But and your, what you're your also thoughts.
2: saying is by going through that, if you did not fare well, you could still come back and finish at right. your university. You will not have forfeited your uh ncaa eligibility by participating in right it. that would be the key i would think to the whole matter in terms of it being viable
1: so you what you get into is expense which that could be paid however they're paying for college basketball guys to go test the nba waters the nfl, well, the fund NFL
2: th- funds it and you get a plane ticket up there and a hotel room and some and meals then, and, and then you
1: come back and then point two would be you get into missing class time uh you could do it So th- do it Thursday
2: afternoon through Sunday
1: because nobody goes to class right. on Friday. Right. So if you think about that, you're, missing, you're, you're literally missing one day of class to make a much better, more informed decision about should I come back and finish my degree or, or, or do I legitimately have a chance to go get a big payday in the NFL?
2: And let's go back to something that you, you discussed. You and I are aware of it, but maybe our listeners haven't processed. Of the individuals that declared for the draft this year half of them will not be drafted maybe more than half of them will not be drafted so the kid has given up his eligibility with eligibility remaining and didn't get drafted he gets he has to be signed as a free agent right because he made a poor decision probably based on poor information or his own ego or both
1: correct yes i'm trying to skim read this article again to see if i'm missing any of the main points on campusrush.com it was andy staples i don't uh always agree with Andy Staples, but I thought this was an interesting uh, concept or idea because at the end of the day, uh, the kids who do turn pro and don't get drafted, they get mocked for why did you make that dumb decision? Uh, And there could have been a myriad of reasons for it. And generally it starts with because my family needs the money and I, I need to, you know,
2: or I think I'm better than I am. If I'd have been out there at the combine and seen what everybody else is doing, I might have said, you know, I need to swallow a little bit of my pride, go back and finish one more year in college and work on this, this and this and then come
1: out so let's work this through this truly is a topic for another show that i just sprung on keith right now so we're doing it in this show tom instead of instead of uh, tabling it uh, i'm sure there's a downside or naysayers uh, i mean what would what would be the downside right now of what's proposed if we did a thursday to sunday uh, I, the first thing that jumped here, out
2: to me is someone injured themselves but that's a risk you take when you're working out on your own uh, number two the expense but that's not a problem for the nfl uh, number three, uh, you know, a kid that probably should have been there and didn't get invited. But as you say, that's also an indication of something. Maybe you have to have a, a committee of NFL pro player development people that are the invitees, kind of like the, the the committee that chooses the 68 in the basketball tournament or something. But, yeah, I think all of those logistics could be easily worked I, out. I don't think there's any reason why that concept
1: couldn't be ferreted out and couldn't work. I thought I just thought of one other part of the article. It even went as far as to suggest that they hold this in conjunction with the Senior Bowl because all of the NFL brass and scouts are there. So really, you're asking the scouts to give up maybe two more days. The Senior Bowl is on Saturday. Maybe bring these kids in Friday night, and you keep them out of class on Monday. So Sunday and Monday is their workout day, and then miss one way. So I mean, it's a pretty well thought out. And to be fair, it's, it's not. I can't give all the credit to Andy Staples on this. There's actually a West Virginia assistant AD that's that's quoted in this article and has has thought about this. So he's really taken this idea and it. I like it. it. I like it. You like that idea. All right. Let's. Uh, who do we talk to next? Uh, I'll I'm get not back sure. To you. I'm not sure where we go from here with I, this. Let's go talk than, to Jimbo. Yeah. And, <laughs> It, it's, I'm sure there's something we're missing, but it seems like whatever we're missing could be overcome in the name of helping these football guys. You know, if you're Jalen Ramsey, it's not much of a he, decision. Exactly. You know, you're going pro. You're going to be a top five. But fake. Uh, Walker,
2: defensive end this year. Right. DeMarcus Walker. DeMarcus, DeMarcus Walker. This, this would be a perfect opportunity to help. He's made the decision to come back, but this would have been a perfect opportunity for him to gain experience, information, data, input to make sure that that decision's the right decision for him.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't really see the downside to it. I mean, and they do it in basketball. Now, basketball is a a two-round draft.
2: Well, and it's a workout that lasts a day, you know, not over a two or three-day period. Although,
1: depending the, on how many you invite, you might could do this in a day as well. The the one the one difference between really between football and all other sports is that you know, in basketball, when you're auditioning, you play basketball. In baseball, when you're auditioning, you you pitch or you hit or you field. In football, you really don't do football drills. So you'd have to. I mean, would you? Do, I mean, you do the combine drills. Would it stop there, or would you actually do board drills and go one on one? That's where you get into injuries and potential for that. I think it would just be a carbon copy of what the NFL combine is, only hold it for underclassmen. If underclassmen have the funds, and they the had and they had a speed coach all throughout their career, and we're paying for. it, Maybe they'd so be better far, at the forty. We're good, but yeah, let's try. See what happens. All right, we're going to start a letter writing campaign to uh, the NCAA, and we'll we'll keep next year at this time. If there's one of these happening, uh, give a little bit of credit to Keith and I. There you go. We'll finish up on the front row right after this. Stay with us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: To the front row with tom block and keith jones got a question email them at the front row at 979 espn radio.com here's tom and keith
1: back on the front row this portion of the program brought your way by the flying bear great american grill a family-owned and operated restaurant located in Tallahassee's north side of town it's on the left as you head north out of town on thomasville road some folks like to call it Uptown. It's a, a good place to get a bite to eat. Sunday to Thursday, they're open 11 to 9. Friday and Saturday from 11 to 10. That I like the to say it's day. over yonder. You do. You do. Because you're from Wildwood, not Leesburg. We clarified Correct. that a couple weeks Correct. ago. You know, I, I know as you listen to this show, you probably think that Keith and I sit down and meticulously script out every segment of the show for hours at a time. And if you do think that, you'd be absolutely incorrect because generally we show up, haven't talked in a week and say, what do you want to talk about? And then it rolls from here. Yeah, it's a little bit more formalized than that. But this I feel like this show, uh, we didn't know that Rick Ballew was going to be able to join us. So we took a little bit of a left turn. Never got back to uh, our own personal thoughts about Jalen Ramsey and, and where he'll end up going. Uh, we talked about this with Tim. I, you don't see any way he actually goes number one overall, do you? No, I do not. Uh, for no other reason than the institution that
2: is the NFL. You value quarterbacks and offensive linemen and defensive linemen uh, more than you do defensive backs, whether he's corner or safety, with those top three, five picks. Uh, I think what's going to be interesting is if Jalen is still on the board at, at number four or number five, does somebody try to trade up for him? In other words, if Jacksonville is sitting there at number five,
1: quiet, quiet, Siri, Siri just jumped on on my phone there. I'm not sure. Well, she has
2: an opinion too.
1: She does, but we didn't invite her to be a guest in this. But here's
2: what's intriguing: if Jacksonville, as Rick was talking about, is sitting there at number five, excuse me, and needs a lot of help at defense, and don't want to use that number five pick for Jalen, but somebody that's sitting at number seventeen is willing to give Jacksonville their 17th pick and an early second round pick where Jacksonville can now get two quality players instead of Jalen Ramsey and that team can trade right. up. That what I think is going to be
1: interesting. I don't and know I think that
2: that will happen, but I think that's, more likely to happen than Jalen being picked number one
1: I don't think that anybody will trade up to the top spot with Tennessee because it'll cost them too much to do so correct I do tend to think that Tennessee will go tackle because it's conventional I also think that what's going to come up in this Jalen conversation is that he didn't have a lot of interceptions which is true now thinking back and I'm curious your opinion on this I can remember a couple balls that you looked at and thought well he should have picked that but they also were I I don't know, 10 yards away from the quarterback and it was a bullet. It wasn't like it was 25 yards downfield and it was kind of catching a punt and he dropped. In other words, I I don't think that we're coming out of this saying that he has the same hands that Ronald Darby had that we were thinking about when Darby left and proved us wrong at the next level.
2: Well, let's think about something, though, and and I'll use the collegiate level because that's the experience that I have. I mean, Tommy, I played 35 years ago, okay, and this is self – tooting the horn, but I'm still number six on the all-time list of interceptions in an era when you didn't throw the football. I had 12 picks. Jalen's nowhere near me. Darby was nowhere near me. Now, they both played three years. I only played three. I didn't play my freshman year. You look at the NFL. Who was the leader in interceptions in the NFL last season? I guarantee you it wasn't somebody in double digits because what has happened in the passing game, the quarterbacks are so good Unless they make blatant errors, blatant errors, they throw the ball where DBs can't get to them. All they can do is is, is knock them down or tip them. You, you just don't have the overthrows. You don't have the mistakes that you did 20 and 30 years ago. So I don't believe the interception count is even important anymore. Yeah. If that makes sense. you know,
1: No, it does make sense. I'm thinking of the kid at Louisville whose name escapes me who had 12 or 14 interceptions two years ago. Well, he, he was an aberration, though. Right, right, yeah, an aberration from it. and uh, That word, too. Maybe he was an apparition, but I think he was an aberration. He might have been Appalachian. Don't know. As it relates to Jalen Ramsey, the biggest point here is I don't think we're saying he has bad ball skills, but That's- I do think that will come into the conversation because you pull out the stats and you see that he had, what, three interceptions in his career or something like that. And the other point is... You know, he was the lockdown corner. People weren't throwing at him. All right, let's, let's switch off this. So, anyway, our consensus is we don't see him going number no. 1 overall. Would certainly be interesting if that happened for Florida State to be the second school, school ever to have a top pick uh, in back-to-back drafts. Roberto Aguayo, best kicking prospect since Sebastian Janikowski. Kickers don't come Who out Who was early. drafted in the first round. Granted, R- granted by a lunatic, but drafted in the first round. Well, you know what? It's proven to be a pretty good pick because he's, no, still, he's still Washington. kicking for the race. Where's Roberto going to go? Round. See, he's not going to go in the first round I don't believe so and
2: again I go back to what my understanding is of conventional wisdom and and I think you would slot Roberto in the third or fourth round I don't think obviously he's a first round pick I don't think you'd even take a chance in the second but a third or fourth round selection would not surprise me at all I don't have a real good basis for that that's just an opinion maybe a, even an uninformed opinion uh, but, but that's my answer to the question today of the test is given today.
1: Yeah. I think he could sneak into the second round, but it, it's interesting that we could even have that conversation about a kicker who truthfully around here, we felt like he didn't progress. I don't want to say regress, he but regressed.
2: His, he was worse as, as, as junior well, I year wasn't going to go that far. Year.
1: Statistically, that's true, but I wasn't going to go that far that uh, the thing that amazed me, and we've, we've talked about this a little bit while he missed a few kicks, uh, as far as field goals go, I don't feel like I ever remember one where he just duck hooked it or or missed. I mean, the ones he missed were a yard or two from the from the uprights. Well, now, where and, he missed two or three of them hit the upright. Where he missed some kicks was on kickoffs, and he did get a little bit better at that. He'd kick some out of bounds inexplicably. Yeah, but in, but NFL, in the NFL, they're not going to ask him to do that. Just exactly. kick it through the end zone and, and then see it. that that's
2: something to to remind everyone about. That's a Jimbo thing. Jimbo is probably one of the few see, head we, coaches that that want that ball to come down between the five yard line and the goal line
1: well that ha- everyone else wants that ball out of the end zone see you've just introduced a topic for another show that has to do with hidden yards and Jimbo Correct. thinks that if you cover it right you can stop the other team at the 18 instead of giving them the ball at the 25 that's seven yards of and field I, position and you I just get got. that
2: but if your kicker but boy it's painful it. when your kicker exactly. kicks it out of bounds
1: it does all right uh, by the way, Drod Holloman from Louisville, uh, our expert uh, aficionado on the other side of glass, Tom Lang. That's who had the 14 picks for Louisville in the 2014 season. Good for him. Where is he now? We don't need Google. We have Tom Lang. Where, where is he now? I don't know. I'd have to ask Tom again. All right, Tom, well,
2: where is he now? Do I, we know? I, I had 12 picks in my career. What?
1: Is, I know what, where you what are. Was my NFL yeah, career. He is not sitting next to me hosting the front row. We do know that. What? What was? What was my NFL career?
2: Not holloman's in tampa right now playing for the bucks i can tell he's not starting as a bucks fan
1: there you go see the voice of god weighed in we should probably know that since he's in Tampa. interceptions probably not
2: of significance
1: he's keith i'm tom that other voice was tom as well and we'll do this again next week lord willing here on the front row so long everybody